1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast as always my name is steven and i am your host and joining me today are my guys tyler and alex tyler we'll start with you man how are you doing tonight
2: doing well just realized i'm in the upper left box whatever you want to call that and i hate it so uh I'm gonna leave. you
1: hate it we should oh
2: my <laughs> here we go
1: there we go oops put the wrong banner up that's my mistake um you know, I'm, I'm glad you got the, the bottom box. You're a big fan of the bottom box. I I, I guess you're a big bottom <laughs> box guy. Keenan Allen is a big nap guy. Man, He's how would you not just guy. walk
2: right into that? You just full blinders on, walked right into that one. <laughs> Alex?
3: Uh,
0: Alex I, like,
3: I, I, I want to, but I feel like we did this last episode and like I would be repeating the same joke, but like, come on, Steven. <laughs> 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 come on. <laughs> oh man good
1: good laughs, good laugh so um we have a fun show planned for you guys today we are going to talk uh and give some of our thoughts on the uh roquan smith situation also discuss the chargers first unofficial uh depth chart release emphasis on the unofficial um and then we'll also gonna do a, a new segment called uh concern meter which we'll, we'll get to uh when we get to that point so uh, a couple of uh housekeeping items first and foremost Uh, As Tyler posted in the chat, there is a uh, preseason tickets giveaway, two tickets for the Chargers and Rams game on Saturday uh, that is exclusively for YouTube members. Are we opening that up to the Patreon supporters as well or just YouTube? Just specifically YouTube. All right. So um, if you are here now in the chat, uh, the link there is in uh, up above here and the link to Uh, that same area is going to be available on the audio description of the episode as well as the video description, so uh, check that out. In terms of our upcoming schedule, we are going to be doing essentially Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday episodes from here until the next few weeks as we uh, preview preseason games, talk about our our Saturday stocks, and then on Sundays we'll be doing game recaps and uh, reacting to or – predicting some potential roster cuts as they come so uh good couple of weeks coming up hopefully uh we get some some clarity on a lot of positions and uh you know hopefully everyone is performing well at the preseason stuff like that all right uh first and foremost we are going to talk about the uh situation in Chicago with Roquan Smith the linebacker of course requesting a trade from the bears officially um, Uh, not really appreciating how that contract negotiation process has gone up there in Chicago Uh, for what it's worth. He does represent himself. He does not have an agent. Um, So I think that absolutely uh, plays a part there. So Arjun did do a full breakdown of why the chargers shouldn't trade for Roquan Smith. It was a great, there was, it was a great video, great breakdown uh, his first episode back for chargers analytics. So please go check that out when you get a chance. So I want to spin this on the positive side first, and then we'll talk about why this is ultimately not going to happen. Uh, But again, this is just fun off season content. Um, So Alex, we'll start with you. Um, Why do you think the chargers should trade for Roquan
3: Smith? And what do you think the upside there would be? Uh, The upside is that he would be their best linebacker by far. Um, He's really (laughs) good at football. That's the high upside that I'm selling you on the Roquan Smith trade. Um, yeah, I mean that that's definitely the positive. If you want to look at it that way, the Chargers have largely figured out their first and third levels of the defense. We've been talking about the linebacker core as though it's a problem. Uh and so, uh yeah, I don't know. That's if you do add a Roquan Smith level player, I mean it would boost the defense dramatically. Uh even if, you know, linebacker is in a premium position in Staley's defense, we would be, you know, talking about that addition like it is a premium edition, like a JC Jackson edition, even if it might not be to that extent based on positional value. Um, As far as like why it wouldn't happen, there's probably 15 to 20 million reasons per year why uh, it wouldn't happen. And, you know, this is a Staley defense that doesn't uh, ultimately value linebackers that much. I mean, we've been talking about that the whole offseason when they decided not to pay Kaiser White over $3 million. Uh, when they, you know, kind of have made the decisions they've made there. Uh, and they ultimately view all the players in that linebacker room as relatively replaceable aside from potentially Kyle Van Noy, who has that linebacker edge flexibility. But everyone else in that linebacker room is here on a year-to-year basis. So um, that's why the Roquan Smith trade wouldn't happen. Uh, in- sure. In a sense, I would like to see it happen, right? If we want like one big Chargers all in move at the same time, given that the Chargers don't value the position that much itself, it's probably worth asking whether or not you want to add a ninth, you know, ten plus million dollar per year salary to the salary cap table for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, and, and constrain yourselves when, you know, right now the Chargers, as of this moment, don't have the Derwin James uh, stuff figured out.
2: Okay. So we're talking about reasons why if we're hypothetically, again, don't think this is going to happen, but if he's cool with playing on a one-year deal and just wants to be somewhere, he feels a bit more valued then that's the scenario that it would work because you trade. So I was listening to, you know, Pro Football Focus podcast, Brad Spielberger Spielberger was just on, uh, it's not going to be a first round pick. Um, sounds like it'll be a second round pick Jeremy Fowler talked to two executives one said second one said third so in theory if you do trade you know next year's second for him or whatever it is next year's third you can down the line recoup that with the comp picks but I think as we all kind of know they do need to extend him like Rogan does want that extension that's why he's not playing for the Bears if he was fine with playing on this last year then sure so obviously that's not part of it Uh, but I'm just trying to sell you guys on it so I'm trying here uh, the other reason, uh, Drew Tranquil, Nick Neiman, Amen Ogbombamiga, and uh, Kenneth Murray all did not practice today for various reasons. <laughs> so at some point, it'd be nice just to have a body yeah. there. And if that's Roquan Smith, that'd be great. Uh, but that said, I, this isn't happening for far more reasons than I could think of for why it could or should happen.
1: Yeah, and I think Kyle Vannoy was essentially limited today. So Kyle Vannoy, <laughs> uh back at practice in some capacity, but uh, he was... Definitely on the sideline a little bit more than uh, we would like. So the Chargers linebacker room, essentially Damon Lloyd is like the only healthy player right now. So, you know, we'll see if Damon can uh, take advantage of that. In terms of on the field, like Alex is saying, I think you're unquestionably getting an upgrade at linebacker if you do go for this kind of situation. Um, You know, just looking at the pro football focus numbers. So um, Roquan's average depth of tackle last year was 3.3 yards um that's a full 0.6 yards better than kaiser white was last year and kaiser was uh, obviously the best linebacker on the team in that regard um roquan smith had 42 run stops last season which was second most in the league only behind cj mosley of the jets and his run stop percentage uh, of 9.5 was tied for 10th in the league this is uh, of all linebackers who had at least 150 run snaps and so All of those numbers are pretty good. And last year was generally considered a down season for Roquan. I think Roquan, uh, his best seasons were 2018 as a rookie, 2019. And and 2020 was still pretty good. Last year, I think just everybody in Chicago was kind of having a down year. But still, Roquan had a very good season. He's been an all-pro. He's been a pro Bowl player. He would unequivocally be the best linebacker from a talent perspective that the Chargers have had in a very long time. So, that, of course, is the on field perspective. There is a, a budding connection, if you will, between the Chargers and the, and the Bears in terms of the front office. Obviously, Brandon Staley coached Roquan. Um, you know, the, there's the Khalil Mack and, and the draft pick trade, as well as the Bears having like four or five former Chargers on their roster at this point. So, from a connection standpoint, from an on field standpoint, a lot of this checks out, like in terms of what you need to kind of form the the base level of a potential trade there's a lot here and you know Jeremy Fowler did survey executives around the league for 10 teams that would make sense for a Roquan Smith trade and the Chargers were mentioned so on the surface level a lot of this makes sense and again if you're like talking about this season being all in this season, this season being you know go for the Super Bowl I would understand trading for Roquan Smith it's just the acquisition cost and then of course the extension top the extension extension cost
2: excuse me it's all good yeah I mean, the extension the chargers already if you add derwin james i think like 24 million over the cap you add someone like you know roquan extend him you're at 35 million i think if you cut davis you're back to like 25 million dollars over the cap um if you put Cutting Keenan Allen and extending Roquan Smith in the same sentence, please just unfollow me. Uh, I don't want to hear that as an option. Uh, but also, right. you know, even if you, even if you don't have to extend him, you know, your your comp pick that you wouldn't get back if he walked the following year is until 2024. And I don't want to give up a second round pick and then go into the year where you know Adderley's a free agent, Kyle Van Noy is a free agent, Bryce Callahan's a free agent, DeAndre Carter's a free agent, Trey Pipkins is a free agent. I can't believe I'm saying that. But if he works out, he might be your starting tackle, and you need or you need to replace him, you know, somehow. Tranquil's a free agent, Parham's a free agent. And yeah. I think max has been worth the second round pick so far by a million miles. Like it just seems like, oh, okay, that worked out really well. But Absolutely. the Chargers, like Khalil Mack is beating the crap out of really bad right tackles now that the Chargers could not, you know, get one in the second round because they use that for Mac. And I don't want all these holes in the roster. I don't want to assume that JT Woods can replace Nasir year. I don't want to assume that Jasir Taylor can replace Bryce Callahan, but the way that everyone's looking right now. Uh, so I don't want to give up that second round pick next year, because I think that is part of their cap, you know, dance that they're doing right now.
3: Yeah. For me, it's not so much the financial side. Cause I mean, the other team in Los Angeles has proven that the cap doesn't, they, <laughs> it's not really functional at this point. Um, if yeah. the Chargers wanted to go get Roquan Smith and they wanted to pay him, you know, the the contract that he deserves, they could do it if they wanted. Um, at the same time for, you know, Arjun also did kind of point this out in his analytics video, like while he is a good linebacker, right. It's a question of whether or not he fits that Staley system so much uh, also, right. Uh, that, you know, is going to want. While Roquan Smith is a good coverage linebacker, uh, Argent sort of brought up like he's also one of the line, you know, highest rates of biting on play action uh, in terms of coverage in the league. And sure. is that going to fly as much in a Staley system when it comes to coverage? Sure, it's better than what the Chargers have had in past coverage now, but it probably still is not necessarily worth the overpay, especially for you know, a team that hasn't valued their linebackers that much anyway, kind of like we keep saying. So uh, I I think that the player that you would be getting in Roquan Smith would be really great, obviously, but the fit with the team and, and what the Chargers kind of envision their defense being, I don't know if it is like the best fit or even if you just gave Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco a free $20 million and said, here, spend it. I don't know if sure. they would go in the direction of a Roquan Smith. I think they might go uh, in, the, in the direction of like getting another, you know, star corner. I think they might go in the direction of getting not really another star edge player. They already have two of them uh, sure. or, or getting some kind of star player for the offense. But I just don't think that position and they've proven it again and again is very high priority for them. So from a schematic standpoint, I think
1: Roquan Smith is a fit. I think he certainly has his limitations as a coverage player, um, depending on who you ask. There, there are those that think that Roquan, from a film perspective, is uh, one of the elite coverage linebackers in the league. Again, I haven't watched Roquan a ton, so I, I, that's not my opinion. But you know, there are people out there who disagree with the numbers and think that Roquan's a much better coverage player than he is, and so or than he is deemed to be. But you're, if you trade for Roquan, it's for it's for run defense. Like There's no doubt about it that you're trading for him because you're kind of concerned about your linebacker room being able to stop the run efficiently. And Roquan is an upgrade in that regard. And I, I think that is absolutely a fair assessment. Um, from a philosophical standpoint, it, it doesn't fit, right? Like we have just seen this team indicate that they are not super keen on long-term investments at linebacker, you know, talking about Kaiser White. And, you know, a lot of people thought that they would potentially draft a linebacker this year and and they didn't so i think the linebacker spot is continually going to be like late round draft picks and cheap free agents under brandon staley so i think from a scheme standpoint he's a fit from a philosophical roster building standpoint he's definitely not a fit so in terms of trade costs you know i've seen some people obviously everybody's kind of floating the idea of like jerry tillery or kenneth murray Mm -hmm. If you're trading for Roquan Smith, you have to give up like a third round pick at minimum. And maybe they take somebody, you know, some kind of younger player, but they're not taking Jerry Tillery and Kenneth Murray. Like, you know, they're a rebuilding team. Like they're not going to take on, you know, a developmental project that's up for a new contract next year. So you're talking about, you know, a first or second year player or picks and i think mostly you're talking about picks and and like i said at least a third round pick probably more
2: yeah the whole oh they'll take jerry tiller or anything like sh- <laughs> sure with a second or a first a first round pick yeah uh you know they don't want if you don't want your player on your team odds are an opposing team probably doesn't want that player either um, yeah. and uh, I don't know why they'd want Jerry Tillery. I wouldn't want to reestablish the Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery interior and see how that works. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, Hey, if they want to, I mean, Jamal Adams what was a two first round picks for a, a blitzing safety edge rusher sort of guy. So, Hey, you never know.
3: Yeah. Arjun kind of said this in the chat, but are we calling Tillery a project still in year four? <laughs> we I know what charges, it is. just have pretty much said that. Uh, he's something, all right. Um, <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I think the whole, let's just trade our garbage for your gold thing. Uh, I mean, works really good yeah. if you're like a scheming compound lawyer, not so much if right. you're an NFL team trying to get Roquan Smith. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would, if if we're targeting an actual compensation, it would just be the picks, they give up. I don't think it would be a first. I think Jeremy Fowler said in his article that um, a lot of NFL GMs said that it would be around a second or a third, which, you know, kind of lines up with the Khalil Mack trade. Maybe you kind of do another version of that and give the Bears, say, a second and a sixth, uh, something along those lines again. Um, but yeah, I just, I see the Chargers, you know, the connections there that Stephen mentioned before, and there is something tangible that if Roquan Smith came available, I think they'd inquire about it. But I don't think at this stage they'd be willing to give up that concrete capital right now. Yeah, as Teresa points out, Tillery and K-9 for Roquan only works in Madden.
1: And I don't even think in Madden it would work. <laughs> Again, I don't play Madden. I haven't made a trade on Madden in years. But um, I feel like if you're the Bears and you're like, okay, we need a player, their whole receiving core is bad. Like, If I were the Bears, you're probably talking about Jalen Guyton in a second-round pick in terms of like a player-based package or maybe you're talking about Donald Parham, something like that. So if you are... You know, trading for Roquan, I think you're talking about like a third round and a fifth round pick or like Alex said, a second and a sixth round, something like that. Very similar compensation as to what the Chargers sent out for Killio Mack. Obviously, different players, different uh, aspects of their position. But uh, I feel like that's the that's the thing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, Holden Sanchez points out that there was a Browns beat writer mentioned to raise a trade acquisition. I think that was a Bleacher Report article if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and you know, again, I just, <laughs> I don't think people really understand what Jerry Tillery is like, who are just kind of casual observers yeah. writing about a potential trade article. So Good
3: God, that just sounds like, Oh, well, we see this former first round pick from another team. We haven't yeah. watched him play at all, but we can fix him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, So, yeah, again, I I don't think that this trade is going to happen. We'll see. Like, it would certainly be, like, the ultimate Tom Telesco is, you know, no longer coupon Tom kind of move. But, uh, again, just don't really see it happening. So, we'll move on. Now, we're going to talk about the Chargers' first unofficial depth chart. Um, I think Tyler has it on the screen or potentially has it on the screen. There we go. Um, So, I'm going to delete that banner then. (laughs) okay so uh this there were a lot of takes last night about the Chargers uh first unofficial depth chart uh as it points out on the screen this was compiled by the Chargers communications this was not the Chargers coaching staff sitting down and doing it themselves um so I was surprised at how many negative takes there were but we'll start first and foremost with the with the offense we will move to the defense um Tyler what stands out to you about the potential depth chart here of the offense
2: uh, Xander Horvath being listed as a, it's an or, but it's interesting that he's on there first. I suppose you would assume, like we all have, that Horvath would win that battle. But I feel like when you do unofficial depth charts like this, and really even in camp so far, the veteran gets the nod. You tend to give that guy the the lead spot there. Again, it is or. So I'm not, he's not really in the lead. I'm just surprised to see him there. I um, did get a message today from a player that Horvath is a beast and that that competition. He's really fierce right now. Um, Whatever that means, Neighbors, Horvath, Fierce Competition, whatever. Um, Neighbors has won a Fierce Competition at fullback before, somehow. (laughs) Um, Don't even get me started on that. So that was, I don't know why that's the notable thing for me. Um, I guess it's just different. I didn't expect Horvath to be listed
3: first when Neighbors is the veteran, even though he's not the draft pick.
1: Yeah, I know there was.
3: Sorry, Alex, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I think Horvath is the one that sticks out here just because, I mean, you see Isaiah Spiller buried down the depth chart, right? Even though we obviously know he's going to come up in Tennessee, Malik Willis is quarterback three, Um, right? So you sort of see these rookie guys get just buried down the depth chart and all these kind of, uh, you know, the players that are still there often get promoted in these early unofficial things. Uh, So I, I do think the fact that Horvath, even by Chargers Communications Department standards, is, is the first fullback. Um, it, it's pretty notable to point out.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is, is notable to point out. And I know there were some people in our chat on uh, Saturday when we were doing our, our show that day, people were like, what about Horvath? We haven't really heard much from him. Is he doing well? And it, it's so hard to tell with fullbacks because, again, they, it's such like a full contact position but then he comes out in the scrimmage and he has that fantastic run and catch and, and collision with, I think it was Alohi Gilman, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, then today he had another catch. So he's really starting to kind of flex his versatility, if you will. I know that this was kind of the debate between like Bobby Hall and Gibb neighbors, right? But Xander Horvath to me is just a potentially, sorry, Tyler, uh, he's potentially a much more versatile uh, fullback because he can legitimately run the ball. He can legitimately catch the ball. He can play special teams. Um, Daniel Popper asked Ryan Ficken today about his linebacker background helping out on special teams. And Ficken said, yeah, we think that is a big help. We think that really contributed to the way that he played on special teams in college and then how he's going to play in the NFL. So I I think, you know, this is a a good situation for Xandor, for Xandor, for Xander, excuse me, um and i think ultimately we all we all knew that he was going to win the position battle but like tyler said you kind of expect the older veteran guy to be the first player here even if it's just even if it's still an or situation
2: as uh i3nn1n points out in the chat is it just by last name alphabetical for the ors don't know <laughs> it's it is for offense <laughs> I'll check well, defense
3: well, let's check the defense line real quick or we can check it when we get there. Um, oh, there's but... no oars. There's no Ooh. oars
1: on defense, I was say. yeah. Shame. No, you, you, you... I mean, I I feel like it's that's just kind of a coincidence because yeah. I mean, like Storm is the incumbent starter, right? And Chase Daniel is the incumbent backup quarterback. So I think that is coincidental, but it is a very astute observation is as why it points
3: out.
2: All right, Alex, let's hear it about the quarterbacks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um the the or thing freaks me out by daniel or stick i okay so i was a crazy person and i went am i having like a mandela effect moment remembering the 2021 chargers on official depth chart <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out if there was an or next to daniel or stick uh and there was not so yeah they The Chargers did not view this as, you know, competition last year. Daniel was given the QB2 job. They kept Stick on as the QB3. Um, I think it's interesting to point out. Maybe it ends up being nothing because this is the Chargers' unofficial depth chart. But they're going to play three preseason games. Obviously, Justin Herbert's not playing in any of them. And if, if they really think Stick has improved, I don't personally believe that's the case. I guess we'll find out in these preseason games. Um, I guess stick could beat out Daniel for the backup quarterback job is kind of what this unofficial depth chart is telling me. Um, again, I don't know how much I buy that. Maybe we're all overreacting to that, but I did think it was notable that this was not on the depth chart last year. Well, I feel like
1: last year there was, there was never a chance that Easton stick was beating out chase Daniel in my opinion, not last year. This year, maybe that sounds like it's a bigger possibility. I mean, Brandon Staley spoke very highly of Easton Stick and the development he has had as a passer. Uh, I s- strongly disagree with his assessment and evaluation process of Easton Stick as the passer because he's still struggling with the same exact things that he has always struggled with. Um, but listen, man, like they they clearly like him as a backup quarterback option. It really sounds like they expect him to be the long-term backup quarterback, their best friends, apparently the three of them, which like who fucking cares? Like you're on a football team. You're not here to be friends. Like I don't, that just, that comment kind of irritated me from uh coach daily, just because uh, we all have eyes. We all can read reports. We all can watch the preseason games. And you know, like, you're picking these players based off who's friends with Justin Herbert. Like, I don't know, man, I, I didn't like that uh, process from Brandon Staley on Sunday.
2: For the most part, through Sticks' career in training camp and the preseason, he's been fine. I've I've never really thought he, quote-unquote, deserved QB2 based on his play. Not that he was awful, but just like, eh, if I'm keeping two quarterbacks, I wouldn't keep him. Um, They have kept three. But this particular year, he's just been bad. Like I haven't heard anything really glowing about him. Every day, it's a pass bad, the line of scrimmage, he still can't. Look off whatever uses eyes correctly or whatever going on. Uh, it just hasn't been good. And looking at the scrimmage, just yeah. going through, you know, what I charted at, at the scrimmage, didn't get past. You know, got to the thirty-six, got to the forty-nine, got to the thirty-two. Like he didn't really. The offense did not move with Easton Stick. And sure, like he's not playing with maybe the best guys at that point, but he's also not facing the best guys either. There's just, I don't understand why they kind of feel like he's developing because he's not. I don't know. I I would, I understand to some awful sense why Jerry Tiller would still be on the team or, you know, Christian Covington or something, whatever. Like Easton Stick, I just don't, I don't get this whole thing. I don't think there's any shot he wins, Scooby, to. Uh, Yes, things are different.
3: Uh, I'm just going to blame an intern for this one for putting the order this time. <laughs> I, I hope that is the mistake. Um, I, I yeah. guess that's the thing. Like, you know, people talking, you know, Stanley mentioning relationships and the fact that the three of them are friends, the three of them can be the best friends and they can all be on the chargers and Easton stick can be on the practice squad. You can do that and you can have that guy over there. (laughs) I don't understand why this is so hard. And people are talking to talk about how Easton stick is going to get claimed on waivers by somebody. No, No. he's not. He hasn't developed in three years. Like no one's going to, you know, put a roster spot or on their final 53 on Easton stick, Uh, except the chargers. (laughs) But.
1: uh, Sorry, Alex, I didn't know if you were, (laughs) Um, but Teresa. Compapa has pointed this out earlier. Um, Why not just give Easton every snap in the preseason? It doesn't matter who's better. And that's that's absolutely true. Like, I think most people were really upset when the Chargers picked, quote unquote, picked Chase Daniel as the QB2 last year because, I mean, he wasn't necessarily like clearly better. But as he points out, you know, the backup quarterback is largely an an extension of the coaching staff, which is why Chase Daniel was brought in Mm -hmm. because he has such an intimate knowledge of this kind of system and you know his veteran presence i think is really important there i i don't know what goes on in that quarterback room like like i'm I'm sure easton and stick is a really smart quarterback and it it certainly seems like he has a great relationship with everybody to me the issue has always just been wasting a roster spot on two backup quarterbacks you're talking about keeping two players on your on your roster who are never going to see the field or ideally never going to see the field so last year I totally understand why they did keep three because last year was the COVID year. You never knew you wanted to be able to have an insurance policy if, if someone does test if someone does test positive. That's not an issue this this year. You know, there there are no COVID protocols as we know, or that we know of, I should say. So free up a roster spot. It just makes too much sense at this point. Easton sick can be on the practice squad. Um, so the next thing, of course, we Want to talk about the right tackle position. Again, this is another or Storm Norton was the incumbent starter. Trey Pipkins is, uh, of course, was the backup that last year, backup this year. And I, again, I, I have not been in practice, so I haven't been able to watch 100% of the thing. But I will say from the footage that I have seen, you know, Tyler uh, shared some scrimmage film with me. I feel like I have seen better communication with Zion from Trey Pipkins than I have with Storm Norton. And that's a very minute aspect of the position and and winning that battle. But from what I've seen, again, in in limited footage, I feel like Trey and Zion have a better relationship, better communication, and I think that could help him. Uh, Daniel Popper pointing this out. He did interview Brendan Nugent, the offensive line coach. They have not had a quote-unquote separation day just yet. They're still kind of waiting for that to happen. Um, But right now, it feels like these two are kind of locked into a
2: stalemate. Yep, they didn't separate at the scrimmage either. I have Trey Pipkins with three pressures allowed and Storm Norton with two and one sack allowed, which is maybe a bit wishy-washy considering Ty Shelby technically didn't sack Chase Daniel, but he also wasn't allowed to do a strip sack or anything either. Um, So they didn't really separate themselves there. If they look, if Pipkins looks better on film and there's better community, keep oh my gosh, today is just that kind of day. Uh, if there's better communication with Trey Pipkins and Zion Johnson, great. I believe you. Uh, I do think this is still Pipkins to lose. Um, well, I guess it is Norton's to lose. Pipkins to win. Um, but yeah, they're at an or right now and no one separated themselves so far.
3: I'm a little bit nervous by the fact that neither of them have really gotten any momentum or separation. Mm-hmm. Um, not that yeah. I really expected much to happen at the scrimmage. The separation was always going to be the three preseason games, um, sure. particularly I think the first two being the most important before they, you know, really make a decision on that. Um, at the same time, uh, I I just didn't really feel that um, – this unofficial depth chart means much. It's gonna be you know, Storm Norton as kind of the incumbent and then whoever wins the job between Pipkins and Norton. Uh, the communication thing could definitely be you know, a possible separator for them uh, at this point. Uh, I just don't really think there is much separation and I'll be a little concerned if we get past the Rams game and still neither of them is really like showing out. Not that I really like expect either of them to, but I I do think that, you know, when push comes to shove, one's kind of going to have to be better than the other. And that's how it was last preseason as well. Um, I, I just don't know what that separating factor is going to be other than just, you know, looking at the pressures and looking at the tape.
1: Yeah. To me, the more valuable asset here for one or the other is going to be the joint practices against the Cowboys. Because, I mean, you're talking about a Rams team that's, like, they're not going to be blocking Leonard Floyd. They're not going to be blocking whoever their second edge rusher is. It's going to be the backups. It's going to be the undrafted free agents. So, you know, Storm in particular has a good um, opportunity, I guess, against the Cowboys because Micah Parsons and the rest of the Cowboys' defensive front was a group that really gave him some trouble. So if Storm is able to perform well next week against the Cowboys, I think that's a a potentially – big feather in his cap so we'll see that to me is going to be like the separation day or yeah. days if you will more mm-hmm. so than the preseason games are uh, you know trey pipkins and storm definitely have to show out against preseason competition but if there is a separation day i feel like that's going to be the joint practices personally
2: yep i'll be there with arjun to watch that shitstorm. storm <laughs> pun intended or not intended Oh, not intended. I'm so disappointed <laughs> with myself.
1: Aww. All right. Um. Any
2: thoughts? Uh, any other thoughts about the offensive depth chart here, guys? Who I'm trying to go through Daniel Popper's article. Who started at tackle today? I'm trying to line up with preseason. Then uh, Sunday was Trey, so I think yesterday was Storm,
1: so probably today was Trey. Because they've they've basically uh-huh. just been alternating days, right?
2: Yeah. So there's no there's practice tomorrow. So it'll be Norton. So then Trey will start the preseason. Yeah, does that sound right?
1: Mm, I mean, the bull, I think the bull star because I don't think Slater's going to play at all. Oh God. Okay, that'll be so fun. One's going to be at left. One's going to be at right. Right. Yeah, if they wouldn't start. So. They wouldn't start Foster, Cyril, and Trey Pipkins, for example. I feel like it would be Trey and Storm or Storm and Trey. Yeah,
3: most likely.
2: Probably. Um, in
1: terms of the other offensive line positions, I feel like we have talked a lot about this. Will Clapp is clearly kind of the backup center. Tyler and I were messaging back and forth the other day about maybe that position being up for grabs in terms of center two. doesn't really seem like it. If, if mm-hmm. I feel like Will Clapp has been basically center two from the jump. Um, today, um, from what I saw on NFL Network, he was he was working with the first team because Corey Lindsey was resting a little bit. Um, and then Jamari Sawyer, to me has kind of a stranglehold for uh, that second guard spot, regardless of what side it's on.
2: Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, I didn't realize this till the end of Popper's article. Uh, Not that it really matters for the roster, but Isaac Weaver was hurt uh, today in drills. So Weaver was too. So they lost trainer and now Weaver's hurt. Yeah. So Weaver got hurt and then Shelby got hurt. Well, the word is they went down with injuries during team drills. They had to be helped off the field by trainers. Don't really know the extent of those injuries. Um, but yeah, Weaver and Shelby are out or hurt. All right.
1: Um, that's so, I mean, obviously that means Cameron Hunt is probably the, uh, the new center three, if you will.
0: Yeah, probably. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: All right, let's uh, shift gears here to the defense and we'll talk about some of this stuff next. Um, So, to me, the the place to start here is Kyle Benoit being listed as a starting linebacker and backup edge rusher. Um, If you listen to the Athletic Football Show, there was a great episode with uh, Robert Mays and uh, Bill Barnwell, and they were talking about the Chargers defense and how predictable or unpredictable it could be. And Robert Mays has heard from several people in the building that uh, this staff is incredibly high on the flexibility that Kyle Vannoy is going to give them. Um, We kind of predicted that he would play more edge, but it it sounds like he's going to play heavily, uh, you know, play a a strong role as a linebacker more so than an edge rusher. Part of that I feel like is also Chris Rump's development, but um, that distinction for Kyle Vannoy I think is certainly worthy of, of talking about.
3: It's worthy of talking about if he's still at linebacker when Kenneth Murray comes back, because that's why I feel like he's listed at linebacker right now. Now, maybe he would be there anyway um, with Kenneth Murray, but I mean, I feel like the tone change like, in his usage from mini camp where he was heavily rotating as edge three to training camp, where he's been solely linebacker one um has been jarring and it's hard not to you know see the kenneth murray thing and him being placed on the pup list as the main reason for facilitating that movement um obviously i think he's going to be a hybrid player he's going to be playing both linebacker and edge but i don't make a lot about him being listed as linebacker as like this declarative thing for what his role is going to be for the rest of the season because we ultimately don't know who he's going to be playing with on a week-to-week basis, right, in terms of who's going to be healthy. And I think Staley will pretty much move it around, uh, you know, based on who he has on the field and based on where Kyle Van Noy fits the best in any given week. So I don't see it as, like, a big deal, but, you know, I I think it just kind of falls in line with what we've seen uh, from training camp so far.
2: Yeah, tough to judge. At this point, because they're practicing with Kyle Van Noy at Mike linebacker at where supposedly Kenneth Murray was going to be playing, I feel like that's just going to be his week one spot. Like, why would you just drill him over the, there over and over and over and over sure. and over again? And then well, Kenneth Murray's going to come back and be Mike, Like, I don't see that happening. I think Kyle Van Noy in this hybrid role as a linebacker, Mike linebacker first is here to stay. I think it's going to be Kyle Van Noy. And I think when Kenneth Murray comes back, I think it's Kyle Van Noy and Kenneth Murray at linebacker. I think Drew Tranquil especially with the injuries, the fact that he's gone next year. I think you are just starting duo. I think at this point, you can't take Kyle Van Noy off the field. You have to get Kenneth Murray on the field. You ditched Kaiser White basically for Kenneth Murray. So I think at this point, Kyle Van Noy, they've drilled him way too much at Mike Linebacker to just move him all of a sudden when Murray comes back. I think it's Kyle Van Noy, Kenneth Murray week one, if Murray's healthy.
1: Yeah, I, I again, that's a big if if Kenneth Murray is healthy, but I, I do right. tend to agree there. Um, you know, kind of annoying when he's been on the field has been their play caller, he's been, you know, somebody that the coaching staff is continually talking up. So, I agree with that one. Um, all right, <laughs> next, of course, we have to talk about the defensive tackle room. Uh, Jerry Tillery still listed as a starter over Morgan Fox. I felt like this could have been an or situation. Um, uh, because again, we have not really seen any kind of separation from either of those two individuals. Um, we will talk about them in a second in the concern meter. Christian Covington over Braden Foco man. Like, let's let's hash this out, please. Like, if they if this coaching staff keeps Christian Covington over Braden Fahoko again, I am going to be so upset because Braden Foco is such a better player than Christian Covington. This to me does not make any sense. It's so clear to everybody watching that Braden Fahoko deserves to be on this roster and Christian Covington does not. We have heard basically nothing about him in training camp, and he was lousy last year for this team. So uh, that, to me, was an absolute travesty for Brayton Fajoko.
2: Yeah, I wanted to go through it and just try to make it as fair as possible. I went through all Daniel Popper's articles except for today's, so 11 practices, including the scrimmage. Yes, some are without pads, but whatever. Just to tally up, okay, Who's standing out? Who's doing what? As far as Tillery and F- Morgan Fox go, I know some people aren't happy that Tillery is ahead of Fox in the depth chart, but what has Morgan Fox done in camp so right. far? Again, right. it's just camp. But if you're battling for a spot for week one, Tillery, I think he had another like split sack today. He, if, if you include that today in his stats, does have, you know, two half sacks and three pressures he you know and morgan fox has uh, the one Nothing. pressure so far yeah. in camp one pressure and like that's not i know you're not happy that Tillery is ahead of fox but fox isn't doing anything right now in terms of production um th- but the real mystery man if it really does come down to covington over Fahoko, i mean i don't know what the Charges coaching staff would see at this point that why why would he be over Faehoka? I wouldn't get it. And looking at those stats, I mean, Braden Faehoka, four tackles, two tackles for loss, four run stops, two pressures, two sacks, and that's light in my opinion. I think he's had way more than that. But again, just going off of Popper stats, four tackles, right. two tackles for loss, four run stops, two pressures, two sacks. Christian Covington, zero tackles, zero tackles for loss, zero run stops, zero pressures, zero sacks. Nothing blank, nicknail nine nada. There's nothing there, and if this holds, and if they put Covington over Fahoko, I, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I'll still root for the Chargers, but I'll, I'll be very upset. Right. I'll be very very upset. <laughs> I'll write a lot of tweets. Yeah, uh, I know I just,
1: somebody was like, well, what are you gonna do about it? It's like, well, what is what are you? What is the point of this comment? Why are you asking me what I would do? Like, I'm gonna rant about it on my show, and I'm gonna rant about it on Twitter. What else would I
2: do? Yeah, I will, I will. I don't know. I'll protest in and out or something. <laughs> I, I, I just. I really. Hope, I hope it doesn't hold. It even like for what it's worth, it hasn't held in practice. Like Fajoco is out right. of right. Covington in practice. Right. So again, this is unofficial. It's Chargers communications. Whatever. I just. I hope and pray that this is not what we're looking at at the end of the preseason, barring some sort of Fajoco injury.
3: Yeah, um, I don't make a whole lot of Covington being over Fajoco in this depth chart. Uh, I guess we'll see, but the, the big thing is for me, I guess they're kind of seeing it as Covington being on this roster last year versus Fajoco not making it last year, technically. Obviously, they were both on the roster like towards the end of the year, um, so maybe they just view it as like, earning it. I, I don't know. That could be one thing. As far as Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox, um, it's nice to hear that Jerry Tillery so far has had two Lance Armstrongs in uh, training camp at this point. That's, that's very good news in terms of trying to separate this Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox battle. Um, oh, great moment of the show, man. Great yeah. moment. I think that Tillery... He's probably the presumptive starter at this point. Um, it just feels like Morgan Fox hasn't gotten any buzz much around him at all. Um, it doesn't feel like he's been big in practice or anything. Um, Tyler kind of just said he got washed out of the scrimmage you know, upon his rewatch. So I'll be curious to see if he can get you know some more momentum towards that starting job. But right now, it looks like we are kind of looking at Tillery as that official pass rushing starter.
1: Yeah and, and again that can certainly change but you know Morgan Fox has not done nearly as much damage as I was hoping for and you know we kind of figured that this would be Tillery's job uh, mm-hmm. you know until Morgan Fox you know takes it from him and that has not happened so uh, I have to give a quick shout out to Michael Lopez uh, he's done two super chats tonight so really appreciate the support Michael uh, he thinks the defensive line room should be Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Brain Fajoco, Tito Obonia, Fox, and then Tillery. I yeah. I would feel pretty good about that room, and I, I do agree there for sure.
2: Yeah, the, the indication is they are keeping six, but that could change if it's injuries or you know whatever happens. Also, yeah. as far as you know the depth chart goes, just for you know aesthetic sake, they'll be 4 be four two five. They'll be in their nickel with four men in front. So yeah, Tillery's out there first. I guess maybe that's notable. But it's really just Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day in the four-man front; those two sub yeah. out, Fox and Tilly sub in. So really, they're just there's an A group and a B group.
1: Yeah, this team's going to live in nickel this year. It really is. You know, I, I think the advantage that Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack gives them as a run defender is is really going to be evident in the amount of nickel that they play, and and um, you know, obviously Bryce Callen is important there too um shout out tyler's dad he says support for saturday night with a, a nice little super chat so appreciate that um all right the next uh, you know spot here on the depth chart i think is uh worth talking about it is obviously the linebacker room we talked about Calvin Oy a little bit um you know i think this was a, an astute observation by the chargers communication staff because to me it clearly reads like these are the mike linebackers and Calvin Oy, troy reader and eamon ogwagwamiga um, I don't really understand why or how Tyreek Maddox Williams would be ahead of Damon Lloyd, but you know that's that's kind of a down the road conversation. And then the will linebacker is tranquil. Nick Neiman, Cole Christianson, and Kenneth Murray uh, listed behind them in uh, in terms of you know his injury. So, like Tyler mentioned, uh, like eighty percent of this group is currently injured. I guess my question here: if Damon Lloyd is like the healthiest player and the one who stands out in the
3: preseason.
1: What do you do with him?
3: Um, (laughs) Practice squad, probably. I mean...
2: Okay, so if they indicate that Damon Lloyd is a Mike option, like Amen, and Ogbang Bumiga is hurt, then that is like... He is the weakest roster spot, in my opinion, in terms of Stranglehold on a spot. So to me, if Lloyd is performing like he has, and Ogbang Bumiga is both hurt and not maybe doing so much or as much, then go with Lloyd. But but I I agree with Alex. I do think Lloyd ends up on the practice squad.
3: Yeah, I think Lloyd ends up on the practice squad. Um, But obviously health can change these things too. If Ogbong is hurt and he's probably not going to be able to go by week one, you know, at some point, you know, they figure that out in the preseason or, you know, it's just like a kind of lingering injury. Then they could just lean towards the healthier player as a tiebreaker between him and Damon Lloyd. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, But the charter staff, I I do think they are still high on Aitman for that, uh, you know, uh, last kind of linebacker spot. And he did make some plays, you know, in camp, you know, even though he kind of started out a little bit quiet. So, you know, had that interception. He had the interception on Justin Herbert, right? Uh, Amen. A- a- did yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. A- 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 yeah. a- yeah. um, so you know he has kind of gotten going in training camp. I think it'll largely be determined by the preseason. If one of them looks largely better than the other, a la the right tackle battle, then you know <laughs> that'll kind of settle itself out. Uh, but uh, I am a little bit surprised to see Tyreek Maddox Williams over Damon Lloyd. But I don't sure. know if that matters because I don't even know if Chargers Communications knows who Tyreek Maddox Williams is. Um, I probably <laughs> have a better idea of who he is because he went to Rutgers uh but yeah other than that not a ton to draw for the linebacker core other than that, like mike steven said the the mike distinction yeah so
1: uh tyler you want to clear
2: up here what you just typed in the chat oh yeah for the audio audience um so just i asked ty shelby's out for one to two weeks per source uh, i don't know the nature of the injury yet it wasn't listed in popper's article either um but yeah he's out one to two weeks and we'll try to figure out more as we go yeah that's that's really unfortunate. I feel like that
1: basically guarantees that he's uh, yeah. out of the running. That yeah, I mean, this is two it. preseason games.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, we'll see. At least the one. And it's just he was already the odd man out. He is on the depth chart as is. I thought Davis had it over him um, pretty good so far. And now it's just it's kind of it's unfortunate. Practice squad candidate for sure. Honestly, that probably doesn't really change anything for him. Practice squad then, practice squad now. Uh, but he won't be able to compete, and that's kind of unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I think there was an outside chance that he can make the roster, but you know, if you look at these three preseason games, and Shelby is you know vastly outperforming Egbele and Jamal Davis, then you know I think there's a chance. But um, I certainly would have given the leg up to Davis and Egbele for sure. Um, I right, know I know there were some questions about this, so. Uh, Dean Leonard being listed as a safety to me feels like uh, an error from the communication staff. He has not taken any snaps from what I've seen outside of playing as an outside cornerback. He was rotating in with the first team defense today uh, that I saw on NFL network. So it was just here, Taylor. Um, but yeah, I know there are some people who are like, why is Dean Leonard listed as a safety? I tried to ask him other beat reporters. They, none of them responded to me. Uh, so that to me feels like a, an error uh, because again, he's been, Hundred percent lined up as an outside corner so far in training camp.
3: It's probably an error, but it's a weird error to make considering Brandon Sebastian is listed as a corner. So, like, I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, um, we have Team Leonard <laughs> as a safety, but yeah, yeah I, I guess we'll see. Um,
1: obviously, unless that's just like uh, and- just like straight down like who the corners are.
3: I don't know oh that could be it but then well but then linebacker they created another row for damon lloyd Uh, so i i don't know if that's that's the case um so i feel like they would have just created another line and they did for skylar thomas um at safety two um that's true under raheem lane so really confusing how they did this unofficial depth chart in general (laughs) but yeah, I, I don't think it's something to really note unless they start floating around the idea of, of Dean Letter playing some safety snaps at some point later on in camp. Don't think it'll happen, um, but interesting nonetheless. I think we're pretty good at it. Uh, if we want to just drive this really
2: dumb conspiracy further at the draft, like when he was selected, it, he was, was listed as a corner. Technically, when the Chargers announced it with their social media,
3: he was listed at DB. So there's something. Uh that's <laughs> yeah. this is, this yeah. is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if they just put him at safety or corner, or if they just create a separate DB slot on the depth chart, maybe it doesn't matter. And you know, Brand has already talked about how some of these guys are are flexible and can play both. So I actually wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dean Leonard at safety if you want to like kind of get him in that rotation, but uh I think he's yeah. corner. Yeah, I um
1: for what it's worth, uh Ronaldo Hill, I think it was on Saturday, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Saturday, he talked about Michael Davis getting some reps inside the box in, in kind of their star money role. Um, and because they think that he has a lot of uh star money traits. And Dean Leonard and Michael Davis are very similar in terms of athletic profile and just physical build. So maybe down the lo- down the line there's there's something there for Dean Leonard. But again, I feel like They've been so intent on he's an outside corner. see Taylor is a slot corner that this just feels like a typo. So, um, we'll get to the safeties here today. Just a little update because JT Woods has gotten a lot more reps with the first team defense over the last couple of practices. Sounds like he's made some strides mentally. Um, Although that one touchdown from Keenan Allen today was was a not-so-great rep by J.T. Woods. Uh, definitely hesitated and took a bad angle, but um, I know a lot of people were worried about him. Sounds like he's kind of made some strides over the last couple practices. Sounds like he had a good scrimmage performance. So I, I think he's on track,
2: even if he kind of got a slow start out of training camp. I'm a little surprised that they do have Mark Webb over JT Woods, even as a communications person at this point. Yes, there's yeah. seniority, but like one dude's not even practicing right now. Um, in terms of camp performance, actually, this this if it were like this, those four would not surprise me as like a, a, a starting four, if you will, um, just in, in terms of performance. But no, JT Woods, it's, it's fine. I, I'm glad to hear he's doing well or better.
3: Yeah, I'm glad to hear he's doing well too. Never really doubted that he would be good. And I think there's just going to be some rookie growing pains kind of moments, right? Um, There were some, you know, even in the regular season last year where Sante Samuel Jr. took really, you know, uh, aggressive angles uh, and made made some great plays and also made some mistakes. Um, you know, and I think JT Woods is just kind of going to be the same thing, especially with how he uses his speed around the field. So I think there's just kind of going to be those moments. And if you get burnt by Keenan Allen, uh, it happens to a lot of people, so don't take it to heart. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not too concerned about this. And obviously JT Woods is going to leap into that top four of the safety group eventually when they cut down on the final roster.
1: Yeah, I I would say that on final roster, you probably see Woods and Gilman, and then we'll see what they do with you know Raheem Lane and Mark Webb cuz Raheem Lane has has impressed man and, and I, I think I saw Nick Cothrill tweeted out today that Lane had a good a couple of good reps today as well so um you know he's certainly taking advantage of his opportunity right now and and Webb is you know on the sideline not practicing again so we'll get to him if, in a second though if
3: Webb gets hmm. healthy okay. are we sure that Gilman's still in that like Final roster spot. I don't know if that, Webb is
2: healthy, then and they keep four, then no, yeah,
3: that's what I would think, yeah, because right now, I mean, with Webb's health, we're just saying it's like Webb versus Lane, I guess, you know, sort of like for the last spot if they wanted to do yeah. it that way, but yeah, 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 I think that if they're both healthy, then Staley would go with Webb over Gilman.
1: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but even when training camp opened, it sounded like Gilman kind of had you know a a stranglehold on that safety three spot
2: yeah and he really i guess until maybe today or the last couple of days really did have a stranglehold on safety three it was nasir like derwin james for some walkthroughs then adderley and gilman and gilman's looked good like i'm not saying he's been amazing but he's done pretty well he's taken some steps for sure yeah he has absolutely which is wonderful to see so it's it's gonna be tough to i think he will be displaced but he's earned the right to have some spot or at least have a fighting chance
1: yeah, I mean, we're gonna do our 53 man roster predict prediction at some point. I I feel like you have to keep five defensive backs or, or safeties, I should say, just based off of how they've played. Like, obviously, you're keeping JT Woods, you're keeping Nas, and you're keeping Derwin. But I feel like there's enough distinction between Gilman and then Webb or Lane, where you can have good value from you know each of those two players, whoever, whichever combination of two that you pick, but. I think it just gives them more depth. It gives them more versatility. It gives them more options. And listen, man, like I think everybody was pretty excited about Mark Webb. Brandon Staley has talked about, um, you know, they expected him to take on a large role last year before he got injured eventually. So um, whether it's Webb or Lane remains to be seen. But I think both of the one of those
3: players, to me,
1: has to be on this roster.
3: Steven, that's a really great point. And it's also not going to matter when they keep three quarterbacks and four running backs.
2: (laughs) If they do both, man. (laughs) And apparently four tight ends and a fullback. At least you use tight ends in your offense. Like, geez.
1: That's
2: very true. That is very true. All right, guys. Any other
1: thoughts here about the uh, depth chart and how it's kind of shaking out? Nope. Um, I saw some questions about Forrest Merrill. Um, Again... (laughs) He had a sack last week, but we haven't heard a ton about him. Braden Fajoko has consistently been the better player, rotating with the ones. Not much from Forrest Merrill this year. Um, So that's kind of where he's at. Maybe he's a practice squad stash again. Yeah. But uh, we'll see, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. They would keep Covington over Merrill. Even if Merrill was slightly outperforming. I think Fajoko has a bit more um, over Merrill right now. 100%. 100%. All
1: right. Uh, we're going to wrap up tonight's show. We're going to do uh, something that I, I talked to the guys about. And we're going to do a concern meter. So this is a one to five scale. Five meaning you are super concerned. You're you're super stressed <laughs> out. McCree fumble kind of levels. Thank you for making this. I didn't know that you were, you were going to make this. So um, I appreciate the, the effort here, Tyler. <laughs> uh, one is Justin Herbert. Two disturbance in the force. Three is worried. Four is Jerry Tillery. I think the way that I'm kind of interpreting this is, is specifically to how these players you know, would play in their role. Like, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about Mark Webb. He's somebody that I specifically wanted to mention. You're not talking about him, about him as like a starter. You're talking about him like making the roster and excelling in his role, if that makes sense. So let's start there. Um, you know, Alex and Holden both asked about him. Um, Where are you at with Mark Webb and your concern level with his injury status, you know, back to back years, uh, proving that he cannot really stay healthy, Raheem Lane has kind of supplanted him a little bit, at least on the field. So Alex, we'll start with you, Uh, your concern level on Mark Webb making the roster at this point.
3: I think four is a little harsh for Jerry Tillery. Can we change it to something like Nate Cating versus the Jets, or like? For
0: her level of concern? It didn't fit nicely in my thing. Okay, it didn't fit. Um,
3: I guess like a three or four, um, probably around a four, just in terms of the margin for error. I guess that Mark Webb has in terms of like. Being able mm. to stay injured and not being out there while Elohi Gilman or uh, Raheem Lane are making plays. I, I guess it really depends on how long his injury is, and they've been kind of like vague on that. If he can come back tomorrow, if he can come back next week, yeah. right, like before the second preseason game or before the first preseason game, then there's not a lot to worry about. If he misses the first preseason game and misses you know, significant time next week too, then I think this, you know, quickly ratchets up from a three to a four to, you know, potentially mm-hmm. a five, and, and not making the roster. Um, hard to tell right now because they've been vague about his injury. Right, I'll say three for the moment.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with three. If we knew more, and they said he's out, you know, three weeks, four weeks, a month, and he's week to week. Then yeah, I'd be a be a little bit more concerned. At the same time, they love him. They want to use him. They like he. I think it would, might be safety three over JT woods. If you he were healthy at this point, they love Mark Webb. He's looked fantastic. Yeah. He just can't stay healthy. Um, I could lean four because of Raheem lane, because he's, he's legitimately looking like a guy who can just play like Mark Webb. Um, I wouldn't say better, but I'd say as well, cause they've both been fantastic when they're on the field, but he is on the field and he's performing really well, but I'll say three right now, just because we don't know the nature too much of the injury. Um, if it's tomorrow he comes back, then yeah, nothing's a nothing burger. If it's a whole month, then we have a huge problem.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree there with uh, the three aspect of things. And again, he
2: was somebody that we were all
1: really high about, or, or high on, I should say, high about, not high about, we we're high on. Um, but we'll see. Um, I wasn't really planning to talk about the Duran contract, but everybody keeps asking us if we're concerned about this. So I guess this is a certain point to me this is a one i have zero concern about the derwin contract um you know we've heard through the the winds a little bit that it, it it's really just contract structure like it really is that simple that um you know they are hoping for a more equal footing contract throughout the contract as opposed to it being very backloaded or front loaded um, so there's been a lot of speculation about you know derwin this being this turning sour Derwin being this being similar to like an Eric Weddle situation or Melvin Gordon situation to me this is a non-starter this is zero concern for Derwin's contract negotiations
2: yeah once again it's August 10th I would love for this to get done frankly I don't understand why it hasn't gotten done yet I'm a little surprised there um, but again Keenan on September 5th was his contract extension it's August 10th we have a little bit of time here
3: yeah, um, if I had to hedge between like a one and a two and create a one and a half, maybe that's where I would be. But <laughs> for, for no. now, for now, <laughs> for now, it's a one. Um, still not very concerned about it at all. I guess when we did like originally do the Derwin James holding episode, I said I mm-hmm. thought it would be like before the Rams game, and we're inching closer to the Rams game. So I am a little bit surprised just from that standpoint. It wasn't handled quite as quickly as Joey Bosa, but you know, like people have talked about the contract, right? There's, you know, injury guarantees, things to work out in technical sense. So um, I'll say one for now. Uh, Again, if we go another week, another two weeks, that can quickly ratchet up as we get closer to regular season. But uh, I'm, you know, not foreseeing this being, you know, a big problem. And uh, I think that I guess Keenan Allen was a little bit different because he didn't hold in per se. He just kind of got his contract extension when he, um, when he did get it. The same with uh, Joey Bosa, right, in 2020. Um, but, you know, I think push comes to shove. Derwin James would still play week one without a contract. I, I guess we'll see if we get to that point. I don't think we will. I do think Derwin James, you know, within the next week or two here, still does get paid.
1: Absolutely, um, all right. <laughs> this is really kind of a coincidental thing, but uh, you put on here McCree fumble, Larry Roundtree fumbled again today for the second time in training camp, and at uh, least potentially more. I I want to say somebody else mentioned another fumble, at least but, two, um, at least two fumbles for Larry Roundtree. He still is technically ahead of Isaiah Spiller on the depth chart here um it kind of feels like joshua kelly has has really cemented himself as rb2 sounding like uh, according to several people there so uh two-part question here two-part concern meter with larry roundtree and his fumbling issues and isaiah spiller not being able to supplant Roundie for rb3 just yet
2: uh in terms of roundtree's job it's a five in terms of my concern it's a one Because that means if he's really bad, uh, then they don't have to keep four running backs. Um, So for his job security, sure, it's like a a four or five. Although he did fumble the first day of practice, the next day of practice, he uh, got the starting job. He was with ones the second day, so maybe it's just good for him. But uh, I I, I think he's on his way out. Hopefully they don't keep four running backs. As far as Spiller goes, one, I'm not concerned about this at all. He caught another pass on an angle route today. He had a wheel route at the scrimmage or whatever it was. Uh, He's just, he's a great receiving back for this team. He's going to be RB3 at worst. Uh, I'm not concerned about this at all.
3: Yeah, as far as Spiller, one, I mean, I I think in reality, whatever the depth chart says or whatever, like the perception is, he's a splendid round tree. I think that's pretty easy to say. Um, Kelly probably still has the RB2 role um, as they've kind of been rotating in and out. But uh, that's a one for me. Round tree, uh, one, it could be a zero really in terms of whether he <laughs> makes the team or not. Um, <laughs> but if we're talking about like his actual chances and concern, he'll be left off the roster. I'll still say like a two or three, just because I'm convinced that they're going to keep four running backs again and they like round on special teams. Um, you know, he's been running with the first team special teams unit, uh, you know, per popper and, and what they've been doing on punt returns and kick returns. So um, even though I, you know, would love if they actually went with two quarterbacks and three running backs, I, I think we're headed down the avenue we were last year. And I still think uh, they have Roundtree uh, on the roster week one
1: strong words here from uh chorizo and papas i'd rather see alex taking snaps in the
3: backfield then well round the tree. okay look i have been an outspoken larry roundtree uh anti-advocate from week one uh, of last year but from the draft really but you would not rather see me out there i would die <laughs>
2: well i mean i'd kind of rather watch that to be honest like they would cut- <laughs> you wouldn't make the team either so they'd keep three running backs and mm-hmm. it's kind of entertaining
3: well, the people on Twitter
2: would agree with you today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I
1: know uh, Thomas Martinez and I have talked, you know, back and forth about basically treating Xander Horvath as your RB four, and you know, essentially just giving him yeah. that role. And I think that gives him a lot of flexibility. So uh, I'm absolutely in favor of that one. All right, so I was asked this question um, from. Uh, shoot, I, I should have written it down, but I want to say it was. Uh, Thomas Stewart, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we talked about Brendan Hymas on the last show. We have not really heard much about Will Clapp kind of standing out, although he's basically just been handed his uh backup center position. Uh, so the concern meter here is on the backup into your offensive line depth. And is it something that we should obviously be concerned about? Because Jamari Sawyer being your best backup into your offensive lineman as a rookie could certainly be skewed as a big concern. Uh, so obviously the topic here is essentially just interior offensive line depth performing or being an upgrade uh, from last year. However, you guys want to take it
2: uh, in terms of concern about the depth along the interior. I'll say two but only because of will clap. I'm not convinced he's like as good as a Scott Questenberry might've been as a backup for Corey Lindsley. Uh, will Clapp has not been super great in camp so far although it's partially because he's going against, you know, a terror right now in Braden Fajoco, So maybe there's that, um, but otherwise, Jamari, Salier, Brennan, Hymas, full confidence in them as backups. Of course, I liked what I've seen from Hymas with the Chargers. Salier looks amazing. We loved him coming out of college. So two guard spots feeling good, um, you know, clap, eh, but still uh, a two, one and a half. Fine. I'll allow it <laughs>
3: <laughs> for me. Yeah. I'll go with the 2 uh on this one in terms of the backup depth. I guess the more concerning thing and this kind of leans into the Cameron hunt signing uh from the USFL and uh you know obviously trainer and Weaver, you know, kind of going back uh, down on like back-to-back weeks here. Um I guess I am a little bit concerned about the preseason, you know, and what the interior offensive line like competition if you want to say will look like in terms of the guys that are playing and Hope, you know, because I don't want, you know, obviously another injury. Uh, they, they have enough injuries in the linebacker room. They have enough injuries everywhere else. We don't need, you know, the interior offensive line to become a conversation. Uh, so just hope everybody stays healthy there uh, for the moment. But in terms of the actual depth, I'm fine with Collap. I, I don't think he's that much of a drop-off from Questenberry if he is one. Uh, and as far as like Salier and Hymas, you kind of knew for a couple months that was already your backup depth. And let's face it. If you lose Matt Filer and you lose Zion Johnson for any extended period of time, you're probably just going to have to take it and be boned for a while anyway uh, and, you know, see what happens, especially because you're starting, you know, Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins at the right tackle spot. Uh, So I guess a two, but again, that really, the guard depth as it is, is, you know, Decently solid, you know, but it'll look worse if one of the starters goes down because the charters guards are really good. It was, uh Todd Miller asked other uh,
1: about the article by Nick Cothra about Salier getting run at right tackle. Uh, I've have not seen that. So, Todd, if you want to uh link that to me at some point, that would be fantastic. Um, I'm at a two here simply because Brendan Hymas has really struggled in practices um, and Ryan Hunter, frankly, is, is outperforming him by, by a significant margin in my opinion, at least from what we've heard and what we've seen and what Tyler has, has shared with me from the scrimmage. Um, and again, I, I'm on the same page that will Clapp was definitely not an upgrade over Scott quest and Mary to me. That was just kind of familiar with the scheme familiar with um, Brendan Nugent. So, I'm not super concerned like Senor Calamente coming in from Matt Filer levels, but I I am concerned about Will Clapp being uh who he is. And, and again, hymnist to me in terms of his roster spot is probably a three at this point, just based off of how much he
2: has struggled uh in training camp so far. Yeah, tough to say. I think Hunter was he right guard at the scrimmage? I think he was. Um I don't know. They just haven't really worked in Hunter, I don't think, with the twos. So it feels like it high backup number two job is safe. Uh, but again, he hasn't been fantastic either. Yeah. I think right now he'd be
1: your healthy scratch offensive lineman, which is unfortunate. And again, again that has to depend on uh, people staying healthy. Um, All right. That was everything that I had prepared. Did you guys want to talk about anything else
2: for this? um nope i think you covered most of it i don't know if you wanted to talk jerry tillery morgan fox doing kind of nothing so far Um, yeah we can talk about that if they're in nickel and they've got a four-man front i'm not as worried if they go out three four and they run what they did day one which was fox and tillery on either side of sebastian joseph day (laughs) then we have a huge issue uh in your base three four no less um Mm. i I don't know if i should be worried
3: i don't know i'm not thrilled so, I guess three? I mean, for the concern meter and, and the way it's titled, you have to go with four, Jerry Tillery. Um <laughs> oh, in terms of course. Concern, How did I forget? In yeah. terms of the concern for uh, Jerry Tillery and Margaret Box. Alex, you muted yourself. Ooh, I think it's a three or four just because... Um, you would kind of have expected one of them to stand out at this point i think we did have higher expectations for morgan fox being that staley system guy so the fact that it hasn't happened still is concerning
1: yeah i'm definitely on a three here with morgan fox and jerry tillery again we had a you know a lot of high hopes for fox coming in and potentially replacing jerry tillery um naya has really stood out although jerry tillery has uh, according to Staley, had a great practice on Saturday. He had a half a sack on Sunday. He had a half sack today. So, I mean, this team sounds like they're going to roll with Jerry Tiller again, barring you know a, a late training camp surge from Morgan Fox. Regardless of whoever they choose, there has simply not been enough production. And, and whether they're going against the you know first team offensive line or second team offensive line, it just hasn't been good enough. And I feel like every time I see either of these players. Going against Zion Johnson, Zion is just essentially, you know, vice gripping them to death, which is good for Zion. It's fantastic. But, you know, ideally, you'd like to see Fox and Tillery push him a little bit more, uh, especially being the veterans that they are. So I'm at a three just from a sheer like pass rushing perspective. Because if Sebastian Joseph Day is your best pass rusher from the interior, it's a little worrisome. I think he is a very underrated pass rusher, but they need more production than just Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, being an underrated pass rusher can give them.
2: I don't know why Sebastian Joseph Day has said and Brandon Fajoko, of all people are the better pass rushers. I know. Uh, but I Do you think so someone's asking about this in the in the chat. Do you think Fox and Tillery both play the preseason?
1: Yes, I think both of them have to because mm-hmm. you know, Brandon cited talked about this on on Sunday and he said that basically if if they feel like they know who you are and they know what your role is, then they're probably not going to play you in the preseason. And I feel like if this is a legitimate tried and true competition, no one has separated themselves from from this group in terms of the pass rushers. So I feel like you, if Brandon Saley is, you know, if we're taking him at his word, then you have to play these two in the preseason. You have to play them a, a, a good amount.
3: Yeah, and I think we've also just seen how the tone has changed from last year to this year in regards to Tillery, with you know Staley continuously saying that he has a lot to prove. Um, you know, pretty much every time he talks about Tillery. So I think that both of them play significant snaps in the preseason.
1: So I am curious to see. You know, if they're doing primary primarily nickel looks, you're probably starting Fajoco and one of Tillery and and uh fox at the other spot
2: ooh cuz you No, I don't th- th- I don't think can't, be ha- You can't there. have fox and Tilly together like that um, They did. That's-, that's what they've been doing in camp. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, we don't make the rules. Fair. Fair.
1: All right. So this was a fun exercise. I think, um, you know, we can continue to do this if, uh, people liked it or not, and you guys had a good time with it. So uh, I think, I think, you know, we do Saturday stocks, which is kind of a more positive light. And this one obviously a little bit more of a concern. So I wanted to focus more on people who we think are going to make the roster and and have kind of a debate about really where they're at in their particular development and being able to execute their role. So hopefully uh, everybody listening enjoyed this uh, conversation. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the night?
2: Uh, abductor strain for, uh, Mr. Ty Shelby. Okay. Or excuse me. Let me No. Yes. Abductor. I didn't want to get it wrong. So yes. Abductor strain. Is that quad? Alex? (laughs) It's, is it your quad? Is it like your inner? What do you call that? Uh, which one's abductor? Is that the one where you, is it in? no um, Abduct, abductors are the outside it's your butt right
3: hmm let me consult google <laughs> images on this one I honestly <laughs> oh my uh, gosh you're in medical school <laughs> <laughs> honey uh, <anatomy. laughs> hey yeah this wasn't really an What's important part of anatomy <laughs> <laughs> hey siri Um are you um,
1: asking,
2: are you asking right now <laughs> yes but she's not in here so <laughs> oh, shoot she would know alex uh, alex caston says groin ish
3: so i
0: thought yeah. it was,
2: isn't the abductor machine work like your outside butt cheek <laughs> <laughs> clearly i work on this a lot
1: your outside <laughs> <butt> cheek <laughs> tyler's just that guy that's just sitting in the abductor machine all day all day long in the gym
2: yeah look this google image looks
3: like outside ass cheek let me oh like hold on okay. i mean Try it's about people <laughs> I don't know what Google okay. image you're looking at, but I see it's kind of like back. It's kind of like back of the back of the thigh. I don't know if we want to like quantify it that way.
2: What the hell is this, people? Let's see. Here we go. Okay, what are we looking at here? What are we looking at? How did we end the show on? There? <laughs> Whatever. We're always looking at body parts. We're just you know okay. So uh... that one that uh,
1: that one that's like black and white. It looks like that's basically like your your outside butt yeah
2: look at that <laughs> <laughs> i did it <laughs> honey i got it right
3: <laughs> ty, shelby, ty shelby i hope your outside butt gets better
1: <laughs> oh my goodness
3: how are there still 162 people
1: watching? <laughs> <laughs> what oh man that was too funny <laughs> that was too funny
3: uh alex any final thoughts man uh no get ready to leave the country this friday uh so we'll be covering the preseason game uh out of the country but uh yeah excited to be excited to have actual football games back to talk about and talk about winners and losers in preseason so we'll be doing that in the stock saturday and sunday so it'll be fun
1: i know but i was talking with uh brooke earlier today and she was like oh what do you want to do on saturday and i was like you mean what i want to do on saturday we got charters football baby let's go so I know it's preseason yeah. football. I'm still excited.
2: Oh, it's so much fun. I'll be at the game, too, just to get a vibe for, you know, what's going on. So it'll be fun. First real action. This is technically a Rams home game, right? Mm, sure. I don't know. So did, did you? Well, because no, I got tickets I got or... ticket. Yeah, I got usual season tickets for it. So I guess that it would be a Chargers home game. Right.
1: Yeah. The regular season is also a home game. So I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if it was like both or what
3: per Google. It is Rams at
1: chargers home team advantage. All right. So we get two home games versus the Rams suck it Rams fans. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. So uh, circling back here, um, Tyler did post a ticket giveaway for this upcoming game. Uh, This is exclusively for our YouTube members. So the link to join there. Is in the description where, um, whatever platform you are listening to, Tyler just dropped it into the chat if you're still around. Um, we are going to be doing other giveaways, uh, specifically for Twitter users, YouTube watchers, uh, Patreon supporters. So, um, stay tuned for all of that. We'll be doing lots of giveaways throughout the season. As I mentioned, we are going to be doing essentially three episodes a week now, we're going to be going Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, you know, talking about the preseason games, talking about roster cuts and things like that. So uh, lots of fun content around the corner. Football is officially here. We're on game week. Uh, so appreciate everybody here in the chat. Appreciate all the uh, support. If you are listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or review and uh, bolt up. We'll see you guys next time.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.